Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and, and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in a place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out our website and social media. I always enjoy the fact that sometimes I get to hear that we're been included. Go back to verse 11. It is in Christ we were also chosen. Some other translations say in Christ we have also obtained an inheritance. That gives me hope. In the end of verse 13, it says, When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. That is our primary purpose in what we're going to talk about today. This makes me think of the Mission Impossible series where Ethan Hunt and his team are given a task to accomplish. Good morning, Mr. Hunt. Your mission, should you decide to accept, is to and then they go on and give the mission. When finished with their mission, 
They go out to heal because they've been beat up and shot at many times. But they go on vacation until the next time they're called to take on the next mission or the next task. To my knowledge, they've never turned down a task. We sometimes think of our calling as Christians more about tasks we need to complete rather than a life we need to live. In many ways, our lives are different than the Mission Impossible team, but there are also some similarities. Our lives revolve around our primary calling, simply stated, to be a child of God. It's not a task that we can complete. It is something that we get better at and better at, assuming we allow ourselves to receive the grace that we're given. It's not what we do. It is who we are, who we become, and where we belong. It should influence what we do and how we do it. Think of baptism as a sign of our primary calling when we hear Thou art my blessed sons and daughters. With thee I am well pleased. As I was working on this message, I always go back to Ryan and ask for advice. He's been a tremendous mentor for me. And he told me about a book that was written by Oz Guinness. And the book is called The Call. And I know some of you are already thinking, Guinness, I've heard that name before. Well, Oz is the great, great, great grandson of Arthur Guinness, the Dublin brewer of Guinness beer. And to let you know, we do not have any samples today. (laughs) Every person has the desire to know that they are fulfilling their purpose in life. The call is about finding and fulfilling that central purpose. Calling, in the context used by Guinness, is the specific purpose for which we were created. Calling is the truth that God calls us to himself so decisively that everything we are, everything we do, and everything we have is invested with a special devotion and dynamism lived out as a response to his summons and service. He goes on to say, it is this calling, this purpose, that we find our identities. In part of the book, he talks about the secondary calling. According to Guinness, that comprises our specific vocation and sets us in motion to be who we become and what we do in response to God's primary calling. Guinness calls this our personal answer to God's address. If we look at his described secondary call, it is not something that if you change jobs or follow a different career path, goes away. Whatever our vocation is, it is to be used to live, speak, and act for God. In my case, 
I believe in high school years, I became a builder. It was through my shop classes and architectural drafting classes that led me to that vocation. It was also the direction that I was sent based on the talents that God gave me. Like many of us, though, I didn't nurture those talents, nor knew how to use them in my younger years. It took time to realize that God gave me those talents and actually expected me to use them for his kingdom. My profession over the years has changed, but my vocation is still based on the talents God gave me and charged me to use. Throughout my career, I may not be building something out of wood. Maybe I'm building an organization. Maybe I'm building a culture. Maybe I'm building a community, a church family. Unlike Mission Impossible, we are not to sit around and wait for the next task or to-do list to land in our lap. Or do we? Are we waiting for that sign from God that tells us to take on a task? God puts people and opportunities in front of us every day. Pick one. Are we listening? Are we looking for God's opportunities? As a Christian, we are charged to confess our sins, and part of the confession is receiving forgiveness. We are to remind people and sometimes more importantly ourselves, that God does forgive us. We are to make disciples of Jesus Christ. As Gaynell talked about the Lord's Prayer, maybe that's what we should be living every day. It is very important for each of us, because of our free will, to allow God to define who we are. We are his children. And as we know, if we don't define who or whose we are, the world and the devil will do it for us. In my conversations with different people, it is surprising to listen to people that feel they don't have the talents to do this or that. They would like to help but say they don't have the talents that you have. I want to remind everybody that God is where our talents come from. God knows us better than we know ourselves. If we are not using the talents that, for his kingdom, we're basically telling God we know better than he does about how we can and can't do things. How do we help people understand that everyone has God-given talents that they need to be nurtured? You need to experiment with them. We find that we try and fail, but we need to try again. As you've heard many times, it's not the times you fall, it's the times you get back up.
that we've all been in that place where we don't think we have anything of value to bring to the table. I can remember many times where I felt that way and sometimes still do. That I wasn't smart enough to add to the conversation. Didn't think I could help someone because I didn't have the talents to do so. What we can do is help our friends find the talents that they don't observe. Maybe it's someone in your pew where you ask them, what are my gifts? What are my talents? Maybe we could set up a gift seminar training and encourage friends to attend. I can remember years ago when David Edwards set that up. That changed my life. Another part of the process of helping others that I really struggle with is that I think I need to be involved from the very beginning to the very end. You know, God doesn't really work that way. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9. What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, and God has been making it grow. So neither the one who planted the plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes them grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labors. And I think in verse 9 really reminds me, for we are co-workers in God's service. As a type A personality, I sometimes want to do it by myself. 68 years, I haven't figured out how to do that yet. Every time I ask God for help, it happens. We are God's field. We are God's building. We may be asked to begin the process of helping someone, and then it's our responsibility to turn them over to someone else for the next step. Or sometimes we're in the middle of the process. And thus, it may seem very insignificant. But in the big picture, that process binds it together. And occasionally, we get to be part of the ending or the new beginning where the cocoon turns into the butterfly. At whatever place God's asked us to participate in, He has prepared us for our role and reminds us that God doesn't always call the prepared. He prepares those He calls and is with us throughout that whole process. As much as we want to know, we must be okay with not knowing what's going to happen with that person, with that situation. Sometimes the final ob, uh, outcome is not us. Kind of God put this in my head and said, you know, God's got this and really doesn't need us sticking our nose in where it's not needed. Another thing we might remember, everyone changes the world for better or for worse. 
Think about that. Not the really good people. They're not the only ones that change for the good. Or the bad people. They're not the only ones that change for the bad. What if we decide we're not going to be the kind of person that God wants us to be? We will change the world in a negative way. What happens if we choose not to care for someone else? Are we not changing the world in a negative way? What if we are engaged in the lives around us? Sometimes we understand that when we help, it's not always received the way we'd like it to be. How are you changing the world? Are you helping those around you through the God-given talents God gave each one of us? Not the ones he gave someone else. The ones he gave one of us. In that gift seminar a number of years ago, there was a rude awakening for me. And I've probably talked about this in the past. But I've always been that builder, so any committee I was on had something to do with fixing something. I always wanted to be on other committees. But that gift seminar helped me understand I didn't have the mental spot in the right place to do what I thought I wanted to do. God reminded me that he gave me talents. Use them. That next year and a half, I fell back and did what I thought God was calling me to do. Amazingly, during that time, I got put on the committees I always wanted. Are we drawing into ourselves and allowing others to pass by us? Are we making our heart small? Or are we making our heart as big as it can be to help make disciples of those we can because we can? As we draw to a close this morning, I originally was going to give a message on Luke 6, 20 through 31. As I was doing my research, I keyed in on verse 31. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I found out that Jesus actually took that and modified it from a similar saying. The original version was, whatever is hurtful to you, do not do to any other person. I seem to relate to the older version is too many times I look at the golden rule as a negative. Jesus restated it into a positive statement. What if we are more concerned on how we can help someone instead of how can we get even? Or can we take the glory? Hear the good news, my friends. God is relentless in His call. He never stops calling us. Stop and listen for the voice of the Good Shepherd. The voice that says, you belong. The voice that says, you have a purpose. It's truly something I need to hear and do. 
How about you? Thank you.